They say that experience is the best teacher, and the best way to learn from experience is to learn from others who have already found success. For this season of the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast, Michael has lined up a great group of successful people who will share their stories of how they got started and some powerful lessons from their accomplishments. He'll also be introducing you to people who are just starting on their entrepreneurship journey to share what they've learned so far. Success is not just about money, and we'll meet some people who have been successful in very unique ways. Entrepreneurship is an exciting journey, and we're glad to be along for the ride with you. Here's your host, the guy who knows a guy, Michael Whitehouse. Hello, and welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy himself, and I am here today with S.A. Grant. S.A. Grant is a recovering workaholic who found a new light on life post-recovering from a stroke. He's the host of the Boss Uncaged podcast, CEO of Cerebral 360, a design and marketing agency and brand and growth strategist consultant at sagrant.com. SA has 21 years of experience helping aspiring business owners create strategies and tactics that consistently generate more revenue, build online business presence with creative growth strategies. Grant has published eight number one best-selling books. SA is a speaker at PodFest Global, PodFest Masterclass, and VidFest, a loving family man, rock climber, and novice sailor. That is quite a bit, SA. We're so excited to have you on the show. How are you? Good, good. I appreciate you having me on the show. I think we're long overdue for this conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely great to have you here. Uh, and of course, we met through the um, uh, Success Champions Network yeah, down in definitely down in Atlanta when I visited your chapter and said, this is cool. I want to get one myself. And I have actually since joined in the Boston chapter. So um, so it's great to make that connection, but great to have you on the show. So let me start with our traditional first question. Essay, what makes you awesome? Uh, well, I mean, based upon what you described me as, right, I would just say the simplest way to say what makes me awesome is that I'm 50% analytical and 50% creative. And I didn't really realize how rare that was until I was dead in it. So now that I understand the qualities of that and what that brings to the table, I would say like that's my my key factor. Hmm. Awesome, awesome. And so, how did you get started with with us? You have a lot of things going on. What is your superhero origin story? Yeah, so superhero origin story. I started off with a can of spray paint in my hand back in Brooklyn, New York, as a teenager growing up. And I would <laughs> say my parents kidnapped me and dragged me, kicking and screaming, literally down to Atlanta. And it was like, okay after graduation of high school, they was like, well, where are we going to send this guy? So they sent me to Art Institute of Atlanta. And that, that's just kind of like how things really got started. I got my graphic design degree and I was like, oh, this is cool. I could take my can of spray paint and turn it into digital media. But then I was like, how the hell do I monetize that? And I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to give me a web degree. Got a web design and multimedia degree. I was like, oh, this is cool too. How the hell do I monetize that? So I became more so kind of <laughs> figuring things out. And then I jumped off the bridge and I was like, okay, that's my creative side. And then I started realizing I needed some analytical. So then I went into the world and I got my insurance license, got a series six, became a travel agent, did everything known to man on the other side of the coin and was trying to figure things out. And then, you know, as things progressed, I was juggling both left brain and right brain at the same time. That, that is a lot of official certifications and degrees that you have there. Correct. For no damn reason, really. <laughs> Uh, and and so you so you come to settle in the marketing space. I would say more of a growth strategist with a, with a marketing emphasis. Okay. Uh, so tell, tell me more about what you mean by what, what is a growth strategist for those who don't know the concept. So a growth strategist, I mean, some people may look at them as consultants. I would say kind of like they have to be left brain, they have to be right brain, they have to be highly creative and highly analytical, 
and they have mm-hmm. to understand multiple different facets. So whether that's business, whether that's marketing, whether that's growth, whether that's operations, like marketing people understand partially some of that, but a growth strategist also understand the marketing and the operation size. And we're really big on systems. Like what systems do you have in place? How is that system working? What are you doing to convert it? Okay, you're at a 10% conversion. How do we increase that? How do we add on more to that to make that a little bit larger over the long term? Okay, so, so it's more than just, you know, working their Facebook ads or, or making their branding. It's really a bigger picture bigger picture kind of thing yeah facebook ads is definitely part of it understanding google ads is also part of it but you know the reality is before we even get to google ads or facebook ads we have to kind of figure out like what kind of structure do you have like what kind of business do you have who is your target audience who are you really communicating to to even figure out if facebook is the right vehicle for you Mm -hmm. yeah and that's huge i think a lot of people you know when i was when i was publishing the magazine and even even recently i'll talk to people like oh yeah i need to get on facebook i need to get some facebook ads well, for what? Because uh, my, my friend told me I should. Facebook's where everyone is. So I need to be on Facebook doing Facebook things. And they don't know, you know who they are, what they do, who their audience is, what they're selling them. Um, and yeah. and that gets them in, in a lot of trouble. A lot of, well, it gets them in the negative, right? And that bank account goes down really yep. quickly. You, you start playing blindly with ads. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So you have eight best-selling books. Yeah. So what 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 are your what are those books on? So I mean it, it's kind of they've evolved. In the beginning, it was more so like success book. That was like my first two, and then after that, it was kind of like becoming an uncaged trailblazer. It was a book that I've kind of grown into, where I've had three particular books in that series, and that book is mm-hmm. essentially breaking down like itemized items of success, whether it's vision or passion, team building and development. And then um, recently I just released a book journal, which kind of takes that whole system of philosophy of everyone reads books, but everyone takes notes in books, but they don't take action. They don't mm-hmm. know even know where those notes are, how to even dive deeper and figure out where those notes were and what book they were in. So I created a journaling system that allows them to actually itemize and index 90 books in one journal to have access to those takeaway, key takeaways to take action on later on. Nice. What's the name of that book if someone's looking for that? That book is right behind me. So it's the Uncaged Book Journal right there. So oh, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Uncaged Book Journal. But since most people are listening to this in audio, they probably can't see it. Um, yep. But yes, the un- Uncaged Book Journal. Or for the Uncaged Boss. A guided boss. book journal for the Uncaged Boss. Nice. That's a great concept. Uh, and so, so you know, in your story, you got a whole bunch of degrees and certifications and learned a bunch of stuff. And then dot, 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 success. What happened in between? What's in the what's in the dot dot dots? How'd you get from taking a lot of classes and getting a lot of paper to hang on the wall to uh, getting paper to put in the bank? I would always say trial and error, man. It was just kind of like sticking my foot in, and I was like, okay, that's not enough. I need to dive head first in. So, like when I was in the insurance space, you know, I had a team as large as two hundred people up and down the East Coast, and I was just really engulfed in that space for the time that I was in it. it was the same thing once I got into my series license. It was like, okay, what's really behind the scenes of the market and understanding a bear versus the bull and, you know, understanding mm-hmm. yield and all these different things. So I really dove into those spaces one at a time to kind of figure out the components that I needed to pull out, strip out to become who I am right now. So, so basically everything you did, you just did 100% learned everything you could and then yeah. not the next thing. Potentially, it was not necessarily on to the next thing. It was just me trying to figure out, okay, I was I was kind of like a really big thinker, right? Big visionary in the sense of, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to 
do all this graphic design multimedia work and through that then i'm going to be doing speaking engagements so i'm going to travel so i should be a travel agent to piggy that back on then i'm going to be talking to business owners and while i'm talking to business owners i probably need to tell them a little bit more about like how to strategize their money behind the scenes so i needed to actually know what the hell i was speaking about to be able to deliver those assets and i was like well how do i monetize all these different things well if i have a series six i should be able to capitalize on you know some retirement plans. If I have an insurance license, I should be able to capitalize on mm -hmm. the insurance and so forth and so forth. So I was thinking really, really big and really, really wide, but now I've kind of like focused and stri like stripped it down a little bit. Yep. So how did you transition back from insurance and finance into uh, design and marketing and growth strategy? I had a stroke. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, literally I had a stroke and then like, I woke up the next day in the hospital and I'm looking around, my, my son was there, my girlfriend with my wife that now was there as well. My parents were there and I was just kind of like, you know, what's the legacy I'm leaving behind? Like besides I'm a, a do or die workaholic. And I was like, I need to leave behind something, some kind of breadcrumbs and like outside of monetary value. So that's mm -hmm. when I rebranded myself, became S.A. Grant and then I started the Boston Cage brand. And I'm a brand guy by heart, you know, so I was like, what's something I could do? And my girlfriend at the time, she was like, you need to step in front of the camera and start branding yourself. So that's mm -hmm. what I did. So now everything that I've, I've learned, I've compiled it and streamlined it into Boston Cage. Okay. Uh, so, so the stroke told you that it's time to stop <laughs> working 80 hours a week doing finance stuff and yeah. maybe <laughs> yeah. something else. So you it, say recovering it, alcoholics, you're not working 80 hours a week anymore? No, no, no. I mean, everything I do right now, I mean, I, I do work long hours at times, but it's more so if I'm working, it's figuring out a system, like what system am I going to put in place? You know, even simple things, I think little people, people forget about little things at times, like online forms, online databases, all these things make your life so much easier once mm -hmm. you set up those fundamentals and then tweak them as you move forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a huge, even just basic things like, you know, I, I was talking to someone, uh, actually, I think it was at a, it was at a, uh, a success success champions event uh, about Calendly. And, and, and the person I was talking to was resistant to the concept, like, well, you know, I, I don't want to feel like a big shot and like, oh, just sign up my link. And I'm like, and I, I explained, you know, I, I don't have time to go back and forth. Even if I want to meet with you, I don't have, I'm not going to spend half an hour to book a half an hour appointment. I'm going to go through my calendar and find the, you know, where my holes line up with your holes and we can click and, and go. But yeah, that technology, technology is amazing. Yeah. It makes it, makes it 10 times easier. I mean, I'm even at the point now where like I'm booking, I can set it up to where I can have someone pay through a booking for a consult or they can buy a package of multiple different hours of consult. And then they never have to come back to me. They could just go to the website. They already prepaid mm -hmm. for 10 hours and they could just book it and it automatically subtract from the balance without me yep. even having to pick up the phone or contact them. Yep. Yeah. And that's and rescheduling too is, is amazing like that. Yeah. Where I'll have, Definitely. um, yeah, it used to be, you know, someone reschedule and it's like, oh, now they got to call me, I reschedule the whole thing. Now it's, now it's, I, I occasionally discover there's open space on my calendar today and I'm like, oh, look, open space. Neat. Where'd that come from? <laughs> oh, somebody rescheduled. That's cool. Bye now. See you later. I don't know when. Computer takes care of it. I have a robot who handles this for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're going into the dawn of Matrix for sure, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, and, yeah, I think that the systems, systems thing is a huge thing. I'm sure, you know, with the, the growth strategy, something you talk about is is the fact that, like, we technology we have now can replace a team of five administrative assistants in the old right. days. Well, it actually gives them more of a leg up now. Now you can have one administrative assistant that can do 10 different people's job and actually yep. organize, keep it pretty organized. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. You definitely you you still want the you want someone that someone can call if they need to, mm -hmm. but nobody has to get on the phone if oh something came up this afternoon can we reschedule for next week. Like that yeah. that doesn't need to be a conversation. That can just be a click click click. See you next week, and there it is, and it's done. And so that then yeah, you're right. Frees up the assistant to have the conversation with the person actually needs something. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, in, in, like in my world, like I have assistants that actually do technical stuff, right? So they mm -hmm. actually go in and, and whether they're cropping images or they're doing SEO research or they're doing like backend development. I mean, I don't even call them developers or designers anymore. I just call them personal VAs. And that's it. Because again, I, when I hire someone in that space, the first thing I'm asking them is like, what are you looking to do? Like, I understand you want to be a PA, but what did you go to school for? And a lot of times when you ask mm -hmm. that question, it opens up. I mean, I found application developers, Amazon, um, Alexa developers, just by asking that question to people that were raising their hands to be VAs and PAs. Wow. Okay. I guess it makes sense. You know, they, they, they can't find the job they're looking for, so they take whatever job they can get. And most bosses don't ask the question you ask, and so they've got they've got someone with all these skills, and they're just making them, you know, answer phones and book appointments when they could be yep. doing all these other things. They could be de developing your infrastructure, literally behind yep. the scenes, and, and more than happy to do it because, again, they love doing that work, and they would much rather do that than sit there and grab someone virtual coffees all the time. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's a big thing for really any boss to think about is is you've probably got people on your team who you're already paying or already coming into the office or already working with you who could do much more. You know, if you have a team of 25 people and, you, and you're like, what are we going to do with social media? There's probably someone on your team who's doing something totally different who would love to run your social media page and is at least competent to do so. Maybe not expert, but, you know, better than the boss doing it himself. Yeah. For sure. And then you put systems in place. Anybody that's not an expert would essentially be an expert of that system very quickly. If you, you know, what I've started doing with like my team is I record content. Like I'm really big on just recording a video. Every time I get a text message or an email or something, I just respond with a video and then I catalog that video in the system. So that way later on, I just send them to that video or send the new guy to that video. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. You don't have to, you don't have to answer a question once and every time after it's Go check this, which I assume you have very good systems with tags and, and referencing so you can actually find your videos again. Yeah, again, it's all doing the research of finding systems, and I'm a really big lifetime deal guy. So, I mean, anytime somebody has a new startup, I'm always, okay, if I spend 50 bucks for the startup, what can I utilize the startup for, and how can I leverage the startup to save mm -hmm. 10,000 hours later on? So that, that's the way I look at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's huge. And, and yeah, the organizations, I have... I have tons of content that's just people keep telling me you need to repurpose your content like i don't even know where it is let alone what to do with it I'm actually we're, we're going to try to find an intern to to just sift through everything nice i figured it's all this content so you know it's great for an intern sifting through all my content i've made over the last 12 years yeah they'll learn a bunch of stuff and uh yeah. you know can turn my audios into text and my text into videos and and all kinds of good stuff um now so you've been a speaker at a number of different uh different programs, PodFest Global, PodFest Masterclass, VidFest. Um, so how did you get started as, as being a speaker and getting on those stages? So believe it or not, I mean, I've been in the podcasting game for roughly probably less than 18 months, right? I just really mm -hmm. started my podcast in February of 2020. And, you know, once I dive into something, I dive full in. So I went to a couple of conventions and there was a guy on stage at one of the conventions I was going to and his name was um, Chris Comenso. 
and he was promoting his new podcasting book and my wife was there at the time and she bought his book and I was just kind of like, you know, mixing and shaking hands. And then shortly thereafter that I decided to create my podcast. And then I, I found the book at the house, looked him up on LinkedIn, reached out to him. And I think he had like a consultant for like 150 bucks or whatever to kind of consult on podcasting. And then I reached out to him. We talked for about, a, you know, for that hour. He gave me a lot of insight, information. And then three months after that, I sent him an email because I, he was sending me emails about his um, upcoming events. And I was like, dude, I, mm -hmm. I want to speak at your event. I just reached out and said, OK, I want to speak to him. He was like, oh, sure. Why not? Here's the application. Fill it out. And then shortly thereafter that, they approved me. And then the rest was history. Yeah. Wow. That's that's great. It's, it's amazing what you can get by asking. I think a lot of people would be like, oh, I, I'm not experienced enough. I haven't done enough. You know, they're not going to want me. The worst you're going to say is no. Literally, it's not like he's going to reply with a virus that eats your computer or something. Mm -hmm. At least that doesn't happen to me yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, that that's huge. Just to be willing to, to ask the question and and reach out because you know everyone has something to share. And even if it's and actually, I imagine he doesn't need you to talk about podcasts. He's the expert on that. As you talk about I mean, other yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. since then, I mean, I've talked about creating online directories through utilizing systems. Um, at the time, I had you know. I think I had written four books at the time. So it was just kind of like how to leverage podcasting through your books and how to market both of them. So I was just talking about things that I knew naturally. And so it just mm -hmm. made a lot of perfect sense for me to just continue to keep speaking at that particular thing. And also speaking at Success Summit with Donnie now was the same thing. I was like, okay, you got a Success Summit. Hey, I've done some speaking engagements. I would love to speak about branding. And mm -hmm. so that was pretty much it with that one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so if someone is, is getting started in a business or thinking about a business, if they're thinking that, you know, I hear business is a thing, you know, jobs aren't aren't as reliable as they used to be. Uh, nobody's getting the gold watch at the end of 35 years anymore. And even if they are, the company probably goes out of business five years later and their pension stops. Uh, so for people who are realizing that entrepreneurship is probably the thing to do, but not sure what to do with it, mm -hmm. what would you recommend to those proto entrepreneurs? I would say just, you know, spend one day, no more than 24 hours and just do general research. Right. And I mean, general research in the sense that like whether it's keyword driven, whether you're going to answer the public dot com and you're typing in something that you like, something that you're passionate about. Right. And I always say you want to use a method that I, that I call triangulation. OK, if I am a business owner or an entrepreneur, that's one part of my triangle. Then to say I'm a rock climber, that's the other part of my triangle. And then the third part would just say be video or audio, the, the way I like to receive information. And so mm -hmm. through that, then I can say, okay, you know what? Maybe I should become a podcaster for business owners that are targeting or communicating with rock climbers. So that it harnesses like your target market a lot smaller. It gives you your pros and your cons. It gives you a lot of what you like, what you don't like. And then you start there. You take that and then you just do some research. You put that in Answer the Republic. Put in podcasts about rock climbers. You put it in YouTube. Videos about rock climbing and see what kind of content is out there. See how new the content is. And if obviously there's new content and there's people talking about it and they're liking and sharing and communicating, then there's no reason why you couldn't step into that space and take a small slice of that, that particular pot. That makes sense. Yeah, it seems like the, the, the two best places to be is either where there's a lot of activity and then you can be part of that, or where there's no activity because then you're starting it. The no activity sucks, though. The no activity, yeah. it, it's, it's a long game, right? So, I mean, you got to think about it. Before YouTube and before Facebook, none of these things existed before, right? So it was, That's true, yeah. You had to build up to it. But now with all these systems in place, it's easy for you to kind of figure out something. Like, I, I know people that, that sell body paint. You would never think that that's a sector. 
but that's a big enough sector to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. You just mm-hmm. have to that kind of sense, d- yeah. dive into it and then take a slice out of it, right? Yep. And actually, I'm glad you made that point because I think some people will say, oh, there's already too many people already doing that. You know, the, the market's crowded. You know, nobody wants another another rock climbing expert. But the as, as you said, it can be more difficult if, if you're the if you're totally unique and innovative, then you're trying to plow the you know plow the road and and build the market. Whereas if there's already 30 other people in that space and you get in with them, then someone's already going to be Googling for that and already looking for videos for that and already looking for content. And you might, you know, just get a little bit more in there. I always say, I mean, you have to look at the numbers, right? You don't have to be a numbers person to understand the next statement I'm going to make. In the world that we live in, we're creeping up on 8 billion people, right? The U.S. is 300 million, which is a fraction. I mean, like a fraction of the billions of people on this planet. And out of those 300 million people, if I get 3,000 people to like me, like my personality, like my content, mm-hmm. and I times each one of those persons by $100 a month, well, that's that's a million over a million dollars pretty quickly. So you just have to think about it from that standpoint. You don't have to yeah. get the billion people. You just have to get 0.001% of that. And then you obviously become a wealthy person yep. if you stick to that core niche. And again, you can talk about the same exact content that everybody else is talking about, but the way you comb your hair, the, the color of your skin, your accent, the way you carry yourself will talk to someone completely different than somebody else is talking to their demographic. Yep. Yeah, that's huge. And that's that's one thing I realized pretty early on with you know the coaching business uh, is you know one-on-one coaching, I can't handle more than about 12, 15 clients at a time. So whenever I run into other coaches, my thought is is never, oh, they're competing with me. It's always, how can I collaborate with them? Because they're not going to take my, you know, take my business. I can't. I, I guess if I really optimize groups and, and everything I could do, I could maybe capture a couple hundred out of, what's the market? Millions? You know, so there's plenty of room, plenty of room for everyone. And... And as you said, everyone's got a different, you know, there's plenty of other, other networking coaches, but everyone's a little bit different. Everyone explains it differently. Everyone does it differently. Yep. And the commonalities too. I mean, like if I'm a rock climber and a sailor, then a rock climber and a sailor will probably be more towards me versus if I'm playing golf and tennis, right? So whoever's playing golf and tennis may be mm-hmm. more equipped to talk to that person because they understand golf and tennis. And you have to think about that. How many people play golf? How many people play tennis? How many people rock climb? How many people actually go sailing? The, the variables are unlimited. You just have to talk to your audience and communicate them, communicate to them the way you would, would like to be communicated to yourself, and they will appreciate that. And then you'll find your tribe that way. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that brings up the importance of being being a human. You know, not just like I am a social media expert and I am going to talk to you about social <laughs> media. It's it's really let people know who you are, you know, I'm, you know, Donnie Boyvin, who we both know, um, mm. he, he's kind of the epitome of that. You talk to him on zoom call. He's got all the stuff in the background there, mm. his sword, his helmet and, and all those yeah. kinds of things. Like he's, he's not holding anything back. He, he is who he is. And if you like that, great. And if you don't like that, well, go work with someone else. Yeah. He's not for you. And he's designed it that way, which makes sense. I mean, he's only talking to a small group of people. He's created his niche just by saying the F bomb that mm-hmm. that's going to take away so many people from him. By default, and the people that are going to love him, they're going to embrace him and step forward and raise their hands. Yeah, yeah, it's about that that uh, almost radical authenticity, but without. You, I think some people mistake that with being like, "I don't care what you think," so I'm just going to be offensive. Um, yeah. And 
you know, done done well, it's it's you are who you are, and that's that's who you are. But I think some people almost kind of try to provoke reaction to show yeah. how independent they are, and that's that's definitely taking it too far. Yeah, you yeah, don't totally want to go that far, but but uh, yeah, you know, being being radically authentic, I think, is very powerful. Well, I mean, look at what Kanye Kanye West has done recently. Um, I mean, he's been radically crazy and doing random stuff his entire career, and it, it essentially made him a billionaire. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You see that, uh, you see that all the time. I, actually, it's funny. I was, um, I'm a, a, an amateur historian, um, by which I mean, I'm not a historian at all, but I listen to a lot of history podcasts and, uh, I was, I'm reading a book about Martin Luther, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, I think of as it's, he's the monk. He wrote the 95 theses. Think of him as a monk, but he had all the hallmarks of a successful social media personality, um, because he was very sure of himself. And if you disagreed, if you disagreed with him, you were stupid, and he'd tell you so. Um, and he mastered the media of the day, which was print, which was just just becoming a thing. Um, but he was very, you know, very in your face. He had no problem calling people out. And the interesting thing is, it caused a movement that he then lost control of because he didn't build. You know, people didn't really like him because he was so aggressive and so unyielding. But because he was so unyielding, his ideas got across. Because he, he wasn't saying, oh, I think this might be the way it is. Like, this is the way it is, period, full stop. And when, you know, when you're like that, you may not make a lot of friends, but you can definitely push an, push an opinion because people hear that and say, wow, he's got a lot of confidence behind that. Uh, there must be something to it. Let me uh, let me think about that again. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you for sure. Uh, yep. And so so how do you think people can can apply this to their business, you know, being using that kind of radical authenticity to to stand out in the crowd? Well, I think it's, it's, everyone's always searching for the 15 minutes of fame, but not realizing that the 15 minutes of fame is there every single day. It's always an opportunity for you to get 15 minutes in front of your target community, your target audience. You just have to communicate with them. You just have to talk to them. And then once they respond, mm-hmm. that's when the magic happens. It's not just about you throwing up on them all the time. It's when they start to communicate back and then you start to respond. And then it's a two-way street. You could ask them for review. You could ask them for testimonials. And then in return, you can give them more information and you make this two-way street and then you expand and you compound that over a period of time. And that's really what the game is all about. It's about people that are looking for help, looking for information, and you are talking to them in the way they want to be spoken to. You're delivering value to them. And by default, they're going to respond to you. That's huge. Yeah. And so, so for someone who's you know not familiar with, with social media uh, and... Uh, or not familiar with social media's business, like how 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 should someone be engaging with their audience? What's that really look like? I mean, every platform is uniquely different, and every platform has different you know stereotypical things that you should and shouldn't do. But first and foremost, I would just say, find and I got this actual information from Russell Bronson, which is the really mm-hmm. big traffic guy, right? And he always says that find your your top one hundred. And I'll say for people, top one hundred sounds a little bit too drastic. Find ten people that you love to follow, you love their content, and see the similarities between them. Like, what, what kind of content are they posting? How frequently are they posting? What are they communicating with? What questions are they asking? And document these 10 people and follow them for a period of time and start to communicate, start to like, start to share their content, and then you'll start to get into that rhythm and understanding, okay, you know what? This person's been doing this for the past six weeks. This person's been doing this for mm-hmm. the past four weeks. They have 10,000 followers or a million followers, whatever it may be, then you can start to not 
recreate yourself to be like them, but you could take elements of what they're doing and start recreating it. And I would say five things that you need to do, right? Is pick five topics that you want to post about, whether it's mm -hmm. social media, whether it's about personal life, whether it's about something fun, whether it's about education. Pick these five core topics and just stick to those five core topics and make them work for you. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, and also, if you're on there and you're commenting and you're engaging, it's it's possible you may actually get the attention of this you know very big person because the internet's a small place. It is. Extremely small. Yeah. I don't think people don't realize how small it is until you get into media, until you become a YouTuber or a podcaster, and you realize how far the reach of communication mm -hmm. really is. Yeah, and that's um, one thing that I, I recently um, taught, a, taught a class partner up with RJ Redden, and one thing she was talking about was the importance of you know bringing bringing a gift to the party, having something to share with someone, uh, and one of those things is platform providing a platform. So um, and. And it's funny because she, she's a very unique character. She wears uh, steampunk goggles on her head. And I met her at an nice. event. And I, I was like, this is a great example of someone being very unique. So I wrote a blog article about it. And then, then I'm like, oh, I hope she doesn't mind that I'm like using her to, to tell my, you know, make an argument. Um, and I shared with her, I hope you don't mind that I did this. And she's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You wrote a blog article about me. This is so fantastic. And to me, it was just like, you know, her existence proved the point I was trying to make. <laughs> but to her, she's like, this is this is great. You know, I love having this platform. But, you know, whether it's that, having someone on a podcast, inviting someone to speak at a summit, um, whatever it is, it's, it's amazing how receptive people are to to those kinds of opportunities and engagements to, to be recognized, you know, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after all, media uh, and is about being in that limelight to a certain extent. Right. So when you get additional limelight on top of something you already love doing, of course, you're going to embrace it. Yeah. And that's how the internet really makes things different is everyone can be a media outlet. Now, if you've got a podcast, you're a media outlet. You're not ABC or NBC or Fox, but you're a media outlet and people love to get a, get access to media outlets. Kimberly Crow says, if somebody hands you a microphone, you say yes. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> so that's definitely a valuable thing that, that people can provide. Um, so you know, what, what are some other uh, strategies you recommend for someone who's getting started and and not really familiar with this whole because I, I talked to some people like oh I I don't like Facebook it's too contentious it's too political I don't like being I, I don't really like being on social media and so they miss out on social media for the business side um, so you know what would you say to someone who's who has had an unpleasant experience using social media for personal um, on how they can use it for business and maybe have a better experience I would say if you feel uncomfortable about doing something then that's probably the direction you need to go into because with growth comes, you have to be uncomfortable. If you're too comfortable, then you become stagnant. There's no reason for you to grow because you're not mm -hmm. in the confines of wanting to break out of something. And that's why, you know, I even titled my podcast boss on cage. It's about, you could be a boss and you could be content, but you know, if you want to grow, then you're going to have to break out the mold. So they need to really understand if you're hating Facebook, but you know that Facebook has 3 billion active users, you may want to at least hire someone to kind of dabble in that space to a certain extent at least set up some things for you if that doesn't work for you then obviously there's instagram there's tiktok mm -hmm. there's there's a million different opportunities for social media figure out whichever one works for you because all of them are uniquely different yeah yeah that definitely sounds great um so uh, if somebody wants to connect with you how would they go about doing that 
well, it comes down to like how they want to connect to me, right? I mean, obviously, if they just want to kind of listen to like my content, I would definitely say to go to Boston Cage, well, podcast.bostoncage.com or bostoncage.com. I'll take them to the, the same place to kind of hear my content. If they want more me one-on-one, kind of figuring it out like how I can help them with their growth strategies, then I would say go to sagrant.com. And if they want me to be more so kind of like a teacher and give them some itemized items, I've started my own Boston Cage Academy, and that one you can easily find it at academy.bostoncage.com. Yeah, just tell me a little bit about the Academy and what, what people find there. So the Academy was something that, you know, part of me leaving behind the legacy, the breadcrumbs, and leaving behind all the different content and the bread trails for other entrepreneurs and business owners and for my family as well. And I was like, okay, I got to the point that I had so much content, right? So much information, so much insight. And I was like, how do I put this in a, into a format to help people on their journey? So the journaling was the, the dawn of the Academy. Because again, everyone, if they're not reading, they should be reading a book per week, right? And there's a reason behind that because you can collect so much data and utilize that data to create whatever platform or create whatever project you want to create, whether that's a new business, whether that's new software, so then part of the academy, I just did a six-week program, which was launch strategies. We talked about pre-launching, post-launch, and we went through all the different variables of strategies and how to leverage those strategies, what softwares to use. And I always give three variations of different software. And then the next part of that, which we're going to go into like an eight-week program coming up pretty soon, is going to be podcasting, how to market. So the book teaches you how to take the notes and document about what you want to do. The launch strategy teaches you, okay, now you're going to go to launch. And then the podcasting is going to be more so like, how do you market your launch over a long period of time? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you got a lot of, a lot of really good value in there and, and some really useful stuff. And uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out because I got a podcast I want more people to listen to. I mean, it's very successful. You're, you're making a great investment of your time, essay on this podcast. Millions of people are listening. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I've got it's a evergreen, man. So it's a beautiful part, right? It's evergreen. Um, so. Yep. That it is. That it is. Yeah. And so once I have a million listeners, they'll go back and listen to this one. So don't worry. You're you're covered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been great to have you on here. Um, and so much so much stuff you do. It's great, uh, you know, seeing seeing you in passing at the at the uh, in the network in the success um, success champions. That's what's called. Success yep. Champions Network. I, I had a briefly ran a Success Accelerator Network, and so my brain keeps trying to run those two <laughs> names through at the same time. Um, but Success Champions Network is the functioning organization that we're both part of. So uh, it's a great talking to you. Great to learn from you, and I hope a lot of other people have learned and check out your podcast and academy and books and and you are certainly leaving uh, a a wide um, quite a legacy of knowledge there. So that is something to be proud of. So thank you very much for being on the show. Well, I definitely appreciate you having me on, Mike, for sure. I mean, I, like I said, I think it was long overdue. And, and now that we had the opportunity to have this conversation, I think it was well spent. Yep. All right. Thank you. Great. This has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. That's JV dash connect.com December 12th and 13th 2023 we'll see you there